In order for you to truly have a genuine life, you have to have the bad with the good. Hello, beauty. Yes, you. Join me, host Joyce Platon, as I chat with today's beauty, wellness, and lifestyle visionaries. Let's discover their motivating journey together as I merge my love for the art and my passion in revealing one's true inner beauty. Welcome back to Hello Beauty. Today I have Isabel Du. She's a professional model, actress, and she's appeared in print ads, commercials, TV shows such as Sci-Fi Channel's Face Off, TLC's I Want That Wedding, and Lifetime Channel's American Beauty Star. Yes. Oh yeah, and also you you were an amazing race, right? Yes. Yeah. And she is also Miss Vietnam USA 2017. Thanks for having me. Thanks for spending time with us today. Oh my gosh, it's an honor, really. I'm super excited, especially because, you know, Joyce and I have known each other for a long time. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's actually been officially 10 years now. Officially 10 years. It's we like met. anniversary. I know. <laughs> Probably one of the longest relationships I've had. <laughs> so I know you have a degree in Chap- from Chapman University um, in public relations and advertising. Mm-hmm. How did you not succumb to the nine to five life <laughs> and also were able to live in Asia? You know, I think I did the college degree thing just to really satisfy my parents' requirements of education. And I'm glad that they had me do, you know, like go through college. I think I found out pretty early on that I didn't want to do the nine to five thing because while I was a student and before graduating, I got to intern at some awesome companies. So at the time I interned for MTV's Parental Controls casting, Comedy Central, and Nickelodeon, and E's True Hollywood Story. I don't know if you guys remember that show, yes. but yeah, it's mm-hmm. a fun documentary show that I don't think is around anymore, but yeah, and, and I think I like the production side of it with PR and advertising. I always knew I wanted to be in the entertainment realm, I just wasn't sure in what capacity. Mm-hmm. And production-wise, and just behind the scenes, it wasn't really cutting out for me. Well, you know, I like being on camera. I do. Oh, yeah. Did you always know you wanted to be a model as a kid? Yes. You know what's... Okay, so this is a crazy story. So I'm Vietnamese. In Vietnamese culture, they'll do for your first birthday, they'll have a tray of different objects. Yeah. And based on what the kid picks, mm-hmm. it's telling of what their probable career will be in the future. And so there's this home video where my parents have this tray of different things, like, you know, like a gavel if you're going to be a lawyer, you know, a stethoscope if you're going to be a doctor, so forth. And you could tell that my hand was going for the pen, so writer, right? Yeah. And then somehow I, somebody kind of nudges the mirror, and I end up picking the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that is parallel to how I feel about even nowadays, which is I do still have writing aspirations. But the mirror does say a lot about what I do, and it's a lot that has to do with aesthetics and beauty and just, you know, modeling, acting, on-camera work. Yeah. How yeah. did you first get into modeling? What was your very first, like, modeling stint? My first modeling stint was, well, I did this magazine cover contest, and it was for East West Magazine, uh-huh. which is an Asian-American publication that's no longer circulating, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And they had this yearly Face of East-West contest. And you had to write a little bit of a blurb talking about what's the East-West experience, what it's like to be Asian-American and so forth. And that was the part that interested me the most, actually. But you still had to submit your photos. And they had a 
judge like a judging panel and then you had to vote and all this and long story short I ended up winning yeah yay and they had a full-on photo shoot and I remember that day the crew were like you know you really should look into professional modeling and I was like okay and I remember doing a pageant back then too Miss Vietnam of Southern California 2006 so long ago and I and I remember needing headshots and I went to the Glamour studio because I was like, okay, Glamour shots, this is, I didn't know any better. And I remember the photographer's like, you know what, you're a natural, you really, I can really see you be a professional model. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it's so nice, but I don't know if he's just saying that because we're paying him. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm glad I started going that route because from there, from East West, winning that, piqued my curiosity Mm -hmm. and that's when I looked into going to agencies looking up castings I actually got rejected left and right from agencies which is heartbreaking but it's a good lesson to have early in the beginning but I think because I kept getting rejected it made me feel like no I'm gonna prove to you people I can definitely do this I have to believe in myself yeah I know it's very cliche but it's true it's almost Mm -hmm. like I I still have this inner want to prove to people that I can still to still do this, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. So from there, that's yeah. I think it's a good <laughs> driving force, though. Though, like a lot of people get their motivation from rejection and all the no's. Yes. You know, there's like a hundred no's, and there's like one yes, and it's all, yes. always worth it. It is, and I think you know when you get rejected so much, when you deal with the normal rejections in life, it's like oh, whatever. It's mm-hmm. so passe, you know. If yeah. It's, it's not a big deal anymore. In fact, I welcome the no's. Yeah, and it's part of the industry. It's like not yes. everyone is for that role or part. No, right? yeah. it's not. And it's nothing personal mm-hmm. ever. It yeah. really isn't. So how do you stay relevant in such a competitive industry? That's a good question. You know, nowadays I realize social media is huge, mm-hmm. right? Social media, and truth be told, and I hate saying this, but I really don't like social media. But I also have to be real and understand that it's such an essence part of the landscape in the industry now. Before we had social media, you know, I think it was was completely different. I remember looking up casting on Craigslist. And back then, Craigslist was a little bit more legit. That's how I booked Tyra Banks. That's how I booked Wet Seal. (laughs) Back then, it was legit. Nowadays, it's a little (laughs) sketch. But people were getting booked off of their social media feeds. I've had agencies literally... CC me on email and they screenshotted my Facebook feed, uh, my my Instagram feed uh-huh. to the client and gone casted from that. So I understand that even though I don't like it, I still have to play the game. I have to make sure it's still a priority. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think like just being mindful of even if it's something that you don't care about or you don't like, you have to understand that you have to stay updated. Otherwise, you're gonna get left behind. Yeah, mm-hmm. you kind of have to like go with the times. Yes, it's like you can't just be left behind in a mm-hmm. sense. Like that's reality. Even if it's too much, I mean, it's you have control over social social, social media. So yes. no one's trying to like force you into like using it 
100 hours a day or no. anything. Yeah. Mm-mm. So it's true because even us, we kind of got in a bit of, you know, interest in our business and even me as a makeup artist. Like, oh, I yeah. love, you know, your style. You've curated such a beautiful page. Yeah. So it's not even, they're not even focusing about my work anymore. It's the overall look of my page. Aesthetics. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, I like your style. So I think you're a good fit for us. Yeah. That's How do you feel like you're, you've been trying to stay relevant? As a makeup artist. Yeah, I feel like because everyone, you know, especially here in L.A., everyone's a good makeup artist. Like everyone has that skill. I like that you said that, by the way. Yeah, no, uh. I'm, I'm serious. Like coming from the Philippines, like, you know, because I guess it's more Asian that they're lean towards like the natural side of beauty mm-hmm. and makeup. Here, it's like when I moved here, I just saw that everyone really has that skill of makeup. And also even before when I used to visit here, I would see that walking around like in malls or whatnot I would see girls with full-on makeup and I was pretty amazed I was like wow they're so talented you know like full-on makeup that you would wear to parties or special occasions Mm -hmm. so that's what I can say too with even just having as a like a normal person having that skill already so what more like the professionals yeah so to say relevant like not only do I have to keep booking with I mean it is what it is, you know, mm-hmm. book with like the relevant photographers, the relevant models, mm-hmm. like it might sound superficial, but in, I think it's in any right. business you have to go with the flow of everything. Yeah. And at the same time, like what I said, like I have realized that it's all about, it's it's a beauty industry. Fashion and beauty is all about looks and aesthetics. Um, so I have to keep my page very like clean, beautifully curated that represents me and I'm all about like clean makeup that's really like what I represent yes so um I do have to stick to that style as well just to make it more like you know clear that that's like my kind of makeup so that when I book jobs they're like oh I like your work you're perfect for us so there are probably some jobs like I mean you know maybe like some ads or not or type of photographer that would request certain makeup but I'm like I don't do that like that's not my Mm, style interesting that's cool that you're that you feel like you've branded yourself in this minimal Mm -hmm. clean makeup and what I love about Joyce's style is that you've not only is your style or brand just within the makeup but even walking to her like at her place her studio (laughs) it really carries that aesthetic like oh thank you yeah really I I love the way you decorated (laughs) Thank Just you even so the way much. you dress, it, it, it's very consistent yeah, with your brand. You. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm all about clean and classic, but with an edge, you know? Yeah. So I try to, like, translate that to, like, all the work that I do. And, like, like with modeling, if they can relate to that, then, um, or resonate with that kind of aesthetic then we would be a good fit in working together definitely so that's what I love yeah yeah I like you know when you touch something on the working with relevant photographers Mm -hmm. and brands like that I thought that was interesting because so before I used to host for after buzz have you heard of them after buzz tv no so this is Maria Menounos network of after Mm -hmm. shows that she does for different popular tv shows and for the super fans who are like, I want more. I want to talk more about this show. Who can I go to? And it's this awesome community. And they do, and I used to do it for Law & Order SVU. Such a great show. Oh. <laughs> so I did that after show. And during orientation, they said something that has always stood out to me was something called brand marriage. Mm. And I think that's how a lot of people stay relevant. And that's how a lot of people 
you know, work on the likes and the follows and the viral yeah. virality of it, mm-hmm. which is brand marriage is where you kind of link up or associate yourself with a bigger brand. Yes. And then people are like, oh, like that's why all those YouTube spoofs and parodies do so well because, you know, Michelle Fan and her Lady Gaga makeup tutorial. Like people yeah. know about Lady Gaga. Yes. But because she's now doing that tutorial, now people know about yeah. her too. It's also like with SEO, search engine and mm-hmm. optimization. Yeah. So like when people Google Lady Gaga, Michelle Fan will also come up. Yeah. So that's how it is. You know, it's just, it's pretty crazy. There's a trick in science it to is. it. It is. Right? A whole formula. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I feel like with us, like staying relevant, you just have to keep content out, you know, mm-hmm. creating, creating, creating nonstop because people have such a short attention span oh gosh, and they can yes. easily forget about you and that's what it is and just keep creating and Gotta just show it out yeah yeah <laughs> show you still exist <laughs> yeah but you have such a like long career like i mean when I first met you, you've been modeling already yeah it's crazy like i'm sometimes i'm a little shy to share with people how long i've been doing it no but it just shows like you know when they say like takes 10 years to be considered a master or you know whatnot sure yeah i've heard that (laughs) you're super professional (laughs) (laughs) thank you yeah Yeah, i've been doing this for hmm 11 12 years now Mm -hmm. and i think with modeling before everyone kept telling me oh you can only do it when you're young you can only do it when you're young, That's young, young, true. young. And it's not true. And I hated that back then I believed it. And mm-hmm. I wish I could go back in time and tell myself. Because I actually started later. Mm. A lot of models, they start when they're younger, when they're in their teens. I used to have roommates who were 14-year-olds from Lithuania. Yeah. Yeah, 15-year-olds from Romania. Yeah. Like These girls start out young. And here I was, a 21, 22-year-old which is still like in hindsight young yeah but back then when you're up against these 14 15 year olds you can't help but feel like oh my god i'm yeah. old and i wish i could tell old isabel yeah young isabel <laughs> <laughs> you ain't old yeah. you're fine <laughs> seriously you can keep doing this and um i think for anybody who thinks like oh i don't know it's too late it's not no. like they need models for everything look at like models like who are moms and then yeah. grandmas uh-huh. they need somebody to still look relatable to the wider audience you mm-hmm. know you you might not be doing vogue per se yeah but look you're gonna there's still commercial modeling and i wish i could you know think back and realize the people who were telling me the naysayers who were telling me mm-hmm. oh you can only do it when you're young mm-hmm. there's no longevity to it i realized those people aren't in the industry yeah correct me if i'm wrong i think the main actor of breaking bad i think wasn't he like discovered or he hit his like success like at such a like you know a certain age like yeah. which is not even young you know yeah and then we hear like stories of entrepreneurs that you know, build their massive company at age 50. Martha Stewart. Yeah. You know, she, Martha Stewart started really late. Look at her. She's a powerhouse. Yeah. It's really inspiring to hear. I think we're so obsessed with youth. We're so mm. obsessed with this young culture. But when you look at it, really, you're living your life more as an older person, yeah. not a younger person. Yeah. And I think we need to embrace age. Yeah. And we need to... I don't know, like find it more alluring because mm-hmm. it is like you people are way more successful in their later part of part of their lives because they have so much more experience. Yeah, you've done the work. You have yeah. more of like if you what you would call in modeling more of a massive portfolio you can show. Yeah. Yeah. Not to downplay any young person yeah, and their success because that is very yeah. impressive. But I also think we need to start embracing, you know, the older ages yeah. of like people who 
finally hit mm-hmm. their stride yeah. at an older age. Like something I'm really proud of is, so on Lifetime's American Beauty Star, mm-hmm. people don't realize this because I don't really talk about it, <laughs> is I'm actually the shortest mm-hmm. on the show. As I'm the shortest one on the mo- <laughs> shortest model in there. Yeah. And I'm the oldest. I don't think it matters. It's like when it people doesn't. are watching, no one's going to be like, I, you know, they're not thinking about your age. You're no. look, just looking at you, you know? You're very sweet about it. And I yeah. think you're very professional. Yeah. So you totally get it. But I've had girls yeah. come up to me and be like, you're not 5'7". Oh and stand next to me and be like, <laughs> You know, and I'm like, mm, you could say whatever you want to say. Like, I, I still booked it. <laughs> yeah, I still booked it. Sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe there's something else, you exactly. know. Exactly. So what has modeling and acting um, taught you? What is the valuable lesson? Mm. You know, with modeling and acting, I've learned how to, I've grown the most in that career. Mm-hmm. And I'm very like, I do, tr- I, I've, I've had my moments where I've taken a break mm-hmm. and try to do something else. And yet I keep coming back. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the other things just, you know, at one point I was selling timeshares, you know, like for some reason it just wasn't clicking with me and I keep coming back to this industry. And I think it's because there's just, there's no you make it point. Mm-hmm. I know there's some people who they make it, but I, when you look at other careers, like a nine to five career, like with a corporate ladder, a legit one, there's always a position you get promoted to, right? You keep mm-hmm. climbing up and mm-hmm. up and up and up. And at some point, you were made partner at your law firm, firm or something like that. But with modeling and acting, there is no real definitive ladder, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe the dream is to get the Oscar or the Emmy or, or, you know, finally land certain covers. But really, there is no actual one, two, three, four, five ladder. And so I feel like I'm constantly hungry for more opportunities to keep doing different gigs, to keep booking bigger, because that's my promotion to myself. Mm -hmm. Because I have this constant hunger, I constantly have to improve myself. I constantly have to learn. Like I'm a huge, I engorge myself and completely immerse myself in information because, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm learning about a new role, all of a sudden I have to learn everything about the historical background on that character. Like, well, it would would have been like to be a woman in the 1930s in Japan. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm constantly immersing myself in different information. So that's what I do love about acting and modeling is that you're always playing. You're wearing different hats. You're playing different roles. And in order to play those roles, you have to learn all about it. Yeah, you're keeping your mind sharp. What's really good about the creative industry or like whatever that if you're an entrepreneur, it's like you have there's no accountability but you, you know? So yes. it's like, you can't just be like, oh, check in, time card kind of thing, where mm-hmm. people will just check the boxes. Yes. But like, I think with you just keeping yourself informed, well-informed about things, it even um, translates to even like, it could be very helpful to your business with Dennis. Like, I know you guys got into like real estate. So I, I'm pretty sure just presenting yourself, like with presen- presenting yourself as a model and an actress, mm-hmm. that really helps a lot in probably doing sales, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people... You know, I, I do get presented with a lot with sales opportunities. Yeah. Like, have you thought about selling this? Yeah. And this? I'm like, ah. <laughs> I will say this. It has presented a lot of various opportunities be- just because of the nature of mm-hmm. entertainment. I, 
I, I, I do love that I stretch my muscles mm-hmm. in different ways and you're constantly in different friendship circles. So Dennis, you know, he's more of the, you know, corporate nine to fiver. And I think for him, it works for him. For me, it's a little hard, mm-hmm. you know, cause I, I just couldn't stay still yeah. and I couldn't just be around the same people every single day. No offense to some yeah. people out there. <laughs> and so what's exciting is I'm constantly meeting new people constantly. Yeah. And so I feel like I love that Dennis and I have this partnership mm-hmm. where, you know, it gives him a chance to meet different people too, to kind of expand yeah. outside of different networks. And you want to constantly network. There's no one way to network, but I have to say it's almost built in by being mm-hmm. in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. It's almost by default you have to network because every time you get that call sheet, it's like 50 to 100 different people yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And you, you're not going to connect with all of them because, you know, there's so many people, but there will be one or two people. You're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Where there's you know, there's there's room for growth between mm-hmm. you and that person in your friendship and relationships. What do you think uh, we can do as Asian Americans to keep our culture within us, you know, just to not lose it? Because I know it, yeah. it is, it, it can happen, like even with me, just like the short time that I moved back here, yeah. it's easy to lose it, you it know, is. with just me not speaking the language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's the tricky part, especially mm-hmm. if you're, you start becoming like second generation, third mm-hmm. generation, fourth generation, so on. You, we become more acclimated to the American culture mm-hmm. and we become further and further away from, you know, our grandparents, our great grandparents yeah. who are real, who immigrated over here. Yeah. And uh, I've realized it's, it does take a big part of us taking that initiative to really want to stay in touch with our culture, to constantly be supportive of communities, be supportive of, you know, different arts or works that's related to an Asian artist or an Asian entrepreneur and just show that we are one with them. So for example, um, there's this awesome musical that Dennis and I watch, it's called Cambodian Rock Band. Yeah, and it was at the South Coast Repertory. Uh, is that how you say it? Sometimes I can't say it. It's a <laughs> it's hard <okay>. word. Uh, <laughs> and so it was at South Coast. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> and it was a fantastic musical written by Lauren Yee. I heard it on NPR. I was like, I got to go see the show. Mm-hmm. And actually a lot of the audience, you know, there was a lot of Asian audience members, but there was a lot of like Caucasian ones too. And mm-hmm. it was very diverse, but it's, it, you know, they had a Kamai night even. So where they, I think they gave discounts to uh, Kamai students mm-hmm. or anybody who is Kamai to c- really encourage the Kamai community to come out and, and come out and support this fantastic Cambodian work of art. So I was invited as a speaker for Catalyst Foundation's Vietnam Culture Camp, mm-hmm. and this was recently last month, and I had no idea that there was anything like this that existed. And so Vietnam Culture Camp is where it's every year they do it in the summer and they do it in the Midwest. Usually it used to be in Minneapolis this year, they did in Chicago. And then afterwards they do on the East Coast in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And so they have these two camps and it's for Vietnamese adoptees. Mm-hmm. And the families are predominantly, they're all white. So they're white families and they've adopted these Vietnamese children back from Vietnam. And the families, what I love about them is they really want their kids to still be in touch with their Vietnamese heritage, mm-hmm. despite you know 
being now American and having, you know, American, like, you know, being around very white communities Mm -hmm. because this is the Midwest and East Coast, you know, it's not California where you have more of a diversity. Yeah. Huge Vietnamese enclaves Mm -hmm. around. And so during these camps, they do things like help them teach Vietnamese. Um, The parents have their own parent sessions where it teaches them how to, you know, be a parent to a teenager at that time or like what are some issues that they'll come across and i was moved in this camp it's an incredible camp catalyst foundation look it up guys this organization usually what they do is uh they're there to combat human trafficking specifically in in vietnam but this camp is something that's been birthed out of because caroline Nguyen Takaro, she is the founder of this organization and she's adopted her kids as well. And so this camp has been running for 18 years. That's amazing. And yeah, it's, and the kids find a community within each other. Yeah. You know, that's one of the biggest ways that I found that people have like stayed in touch with their culture. Like I, I know, especially cool. something that's been running for 18 years. Yeah. I think that deserves like good marketing and oh it's good. Gosh. It's good you mentioned it here. Yeah, like, send donations to them. Yeah. It, it's a fantastic cause. I, I was really moved because a lot of the counselors used to be campers themselves. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah, I, I went to this camp since I was one because the oh parents would bring gosh. their babies. Yeah. And they don't just have it for Vietnamese communities. They have one for, well, this is the last year that they did it for the Cambodians Mm -hmm. culture camp because they actually closed international adoptions for some time. Mm -hmm. So now they've aged out. But they have it for all different communities, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. That's amazing. I'll look into that. Yeah. Yeah, That sounds good. Maybe they have a Filipino one too, you know? I'm pretty sure like there's also a community for that here. And since moving here, like I know I'm guilty because I've been so busy at work. Mm -hmm. I need to like connect myself more to the Filipino community. Um, My family friend, Ashley, she's like, she, her family owns like Asian Journal. So Mm. they do, they are very in touch with the Filipino community. And they always kind of uplift like all the Filipinos, all the Filipino entrepreneurs. So that's really good. Like I've attended some of like, you know, their events. It's really nice. Yeah. Little things that little projects they do. I try to be in touch with it because like it's it's so good to like feel connected. What were some ways that you would tell somebody like a Filipino American out here to like how they they could stay in touch well for me you know what i'm such a foodie so i think start start with food because you know how food it brings everyone together and it's such a conversational topic Mm -hmm. and then with little even just the names of exotic foods you can be like oh what is that so yeah you can when you say like what food it is like for example adobo mm-hmm. it's like you're already speaking the language and you start explaining right. it yeah so i think that's i mean it just goes to show i love food and oh, eating food. yeah that's a good start actually yeah i love kenny lao kenny lao oh my god i don't i've never had it but i know really? what that is yeah Oh my gosh, I had it when I was in Cebu. I would say Kenny Lau is almost like if you like sushi, you oh. like Kenny Lau. Really? Because it's like... Uh, I haven't tried. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I could find out here, actually. We should go explore Filipino food then. Oh, they have um, LA Rose Cafe here. Have you heard oh, of it? It's, no. it's like going to your aunt or grandma's house. It's oh. very authentic, even the way they present it. And then there's this like... Sometimes like an old lady playing the piano there, oh. that kind of thing. And there's also a bunch of like more modern, contemporary Filipino restaurants yeah. like Lhasa. I've been there probably like twice. And then that event that I was talking to you about um, with my uh, family friend, yeah. it was held in Lhasa. So amazing food. It's more like um, it's more of a fusion, like more modernized Filipino. You speak Tagalog, right? Yes, I do. I actually uh, grew up in an international school in Manila, mm-hmm. so I. 
I, even if I could understand it, I never knew how to speak it. But hmm. uh, when I actually started working in the makeup industry, when I started doing makeup in the Philippines, yeah. I forced myself to learn it. I didn't want to be like, you know, on set and people are just mm -hmm. like speaking Filipino and I'm just like going to answer back in English. Yeah. I didn't want to feel like, I, I don't know, I just wanted to make sure. Because, you know, some people might be shy around you. Right. you know, they were like, how come you don't speak Tagalog? Yeah. So now they're going to have to kind of shift and change the way they act towards you. So I just wanted to make everyone feel more comfortable around Aww. me. So I was like, I can speak it's you so and then yes. that from then on like i just started speaking to everyone in filipino yeah. that's so great yeah i think that's very mindful of you too and just so aware of you so here at hello beauty we have a philosophy which is say hello to the beauty in you what advice can you give those that are trying to discover their beauty within hmm i think what that's a great <laughs> question that you get to prompt on every episode yeah um, thank you I would say that it is, so you know how, especially in LA, mm -hmm. people are always constantly preaching like, gotta be positive, la la la. And the positive thing is great. Yeah. I'm all down for the positive thing, great. But I do think it sets up some people feeling less by when they don't feel so positive. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know that it is okay to be down. Yeah. It is okay to have a down day. It is okay to mope. You yeah. know, it's absolutely okay. Don't feel this obligation to constantly feel like I'm my best self. Look at who I am. I'm constantly smiling. I'm positive. This is yeah. me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I got to make sure people know that I'm living my best life. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you're not living your best life. That's true. I think that's a beautiful thing because in order for you to truly have a genuine life, you have to have the bad with the good, mm -hmm. you know? And I don't, I feel like, you know, when I, I feel like people have this pressure to live up to what they think are these societal standards or mm -hmm. like you have to be your best self and always be, you know, on top of your things. Yeah, yeah. It's okay if you're not, it's okay if you're on the bottom, it's okay if you're not feeling good have your moment it's okay to be angry yeah these are great emotions to have it's how you grow it's how you challenge yourselves it's mm -hmm. how you can actually truly be happy because you mm -hmm. can't appreciate true happiness and true positivity without going through that yeah mm -hmm. that's amazing so i know you have a lot of favorite beauty products but mm -hmm. what is your favorite beauty product right now hands down my favorite beauty product that i cannot live without i always pack is it's pharmacy's um green cleansing balm mm. it's a long name so but that's the gist yeah, of it uh -huh. but yeah i love it because it's 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 this green solid balm that you would use and you rub it in your hands it's like a nice oil but it's not super oily and before i go to bed i would use that to take off all my makeup mm -hmm. and it's funny because if i have red lipstick mm -hmm. my whole face becomes red because yeah. you're just smearing everything then i use water to wash it off and it becomes this like milky residue that mm -hmm. takes off all that makeup yeah. And then I go into my regular cleanser. Yeah. And I have a bunch. I love Kiehl's. But the reason why I love the pharmacy green clean mm -hmm. cleansing balm is because it really takes out all the makeup. And I think people need to realize how important it is to use mm -hmm. almost a pre-cleanse before the cleanser. Yeah. Cleanser's not enough. No, that's true. You can't just wash your face. No. You have to have, like makeup remover and yes. stuff. Yeah. I get weirded out when people use towels. To wipe off their makeup. Uh, that's another episode maybe we can get into about yeah. beauty and skincare. Because, like, 
towels will just like embed the dirt in yes. your face it's not mm -hmm. washing it out you no. know yeah cleansing i mean that pre-cleanse is like breaking down yes. the makeup and then you, and then once you wipe it off that's when you can actually like soap your face mm -hmm. yeah where can they find you what are your social channels <gasps> yay so if you guys can follow uh -huh. me on instagram at mm -hmm. isabel.do and then i also have my Facebook that I'm not as active really. <laughs> you do have a lot of followers, like followers there. Yeah, yeah, I don't talk to me on Instagram. Yeah, I'm very active on there, yeah. and I'm like down to chat on there. Um, my website's isabeldo.com, and you'll you guys can find my email on there as well. Okay, well there you have it. Thank you so much, Isabel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I had really. so much fun. Yeah, oh yeah, me and too. it's good to catch up again. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, thanks.